Welcome to Agri-Food Matters, the monthly podcast from the UCD School of Agriculture and Food Science that sheds light on the topics that really matter in the world of agriculture and food. I'm Sean Duke and I'll be your host. Today in our third episode we'll discuss careers in agriculture. We'll hear from two women, one starting out in academia and another with decades of professional experience at home and overseas who will give insight into what a career in agriculture can entail. We'll hear first from Dr. Zoe McKay. During her doctorate, Dr. McKay conducted research at UCD Lions Farm. In 2020, she was appointed Assistant Professor of Dairy Production at UCD. We'll also hear from Dr. Monica Gorman, a lecturer in Agricultural Extension and Innovation at UCD. Dr. Gorman, a Wicklow native who grew up in a family farm, worked in Tanzania and Sudan with Oxfam and Self-Help Africa before returning to academia at UCD in 2013. We'll also have our regular slot with Judy Dowsett. Judy brings us up to date each month with what's going on inside the school. Today we'll discuss some of the courses and options that are on offer at the school for those who might be looking to alter their career direction post-pandemic or embark on a new career path entirely. Let's hear first now from Zoe McKay. I began by asking her how she was first inspired to take up a career in agriculture. I I grew up in the village of Ballyfane in County Leash and I think the community in Ballyfane is quite strong and inspiring when it related to agriculture. And I suppose while neither of my parents um, took over their own family farms, I was very fortunate to have a man by the name of Richie Rowe in my life. And he very much, I suppose, inspired my love and passion uh, for farming and animals. He kind of acted, I suppose, for lack of a better word, like a grandfather to me and was very much involved with farming with him. And he had a mixed enterprise, so he had dry stock and he had tillage. And I spent the majority of my childhood with, with him out farming. And then I suppose it came to my kind of CEO applications and I really love farming and I wanted to kind of turn that passion into a career, but I also wanted to kind of join it up with, I suppose, my favourite subjects in school, which were agricultural science and, and biology. So I think like many others, I did have dreams of becoming a vet first. Um, however, that was a bit out of reach for me, I suppose, at the, at the time. And, but I do believe kind of what's for you won't pass you why. So I applied for agricultural science in UCD just to keep that door open as well there is the possible link there to do the graduate entry into veterinary medicine so that was kind of my early career plan if it was a plan at all Sean. So maybe some of the highlights of your time in UCD as a student uh, bringing us up to present day. Yeah so I suppose uh, from my undergraduate degree I had a very fond time in, in UCD. I and a very strong, I suppose, memory of that kind of sense of being surrounded by people with similar interests. And that was kind of really inspiring to be in that environment. But I think for me, Sean, probably one of the biggest highlights um, from my undergraduate degree anyway, was the opportunity to, to do the professional work experience program. And for all the students in ag, that's an opportunity to get out on farm, go to different beef, sheep, pigs, whatever you're interested in, and get that actual hands-on experience, which was, which was really good. And for me, that meant that I had the opportunity to work with some of the most progressive farmers that were in the country and gain that experience. And it definitely allowed me to to develop a lot of skills and knowledge around that kind of hands-on experience. And then that really complemented what I did then in fourth year coming back into UCD. But I think from that experience, my biggest take home was my time spent kind of on farm with a man by the name of David Kerr, who's from my own home uh, village of Ballyfin. 
but also from my time spent studying about dairy production from Karina uh, Pierce. And the combination of those two really kind of is where my passion and love for dairying began. And it definitely kind of guided my career and my decisions after my degree as to where I wanted my career to go. Yeah, because you can obviously with the it's kind of like an internship, isn't it, that you can go and select somewhere you want to work. And uh, it's pretty much open where you go, I guess. It is like for animal science students, you do have to have experience of beef, dairy, pigs and sheep. And then once you have that on top of that, you could go to a feed mill, you could go to um, into advisory, spend some time with Chagas, spend some time in research and do those other pieces that, you know, you, you want to kind of get a, an insight into that will help us both guide what you see your career being in the future. So after you did your degree, then uh, what were you thinking? What did you want to do at that point? My eyes are really kind of opened to, I suppose, the opportunities that were within the agricultural sector. There was everything from banking, advisory, nutrition. So there's many opportunities, but I think I myself at the time probably struggled a little bit with exactly what I wanted to do. And um, that question, I suppose, of where you see yourself in, in five years or where's your career going is, is a difficult one to answer at the best of times, but even more so when you're that early on in your career. Um, but I think through my experience in, in UCD, there was the likes of the ASA mock interviews, which is, you know, a, a trial interview. There's the UCD Careers Day and all that gives you a lot more information to, to make that decision. Um, my, my main interests were animal nutrition and, and dairy production. And but that was where my focus was. And I put a lot of thought into that and how I, what was going to be the next step for me. And so it was after a lot of conversations with friends and the lecturing staff. And I kind of decided that um, I'm probably going to be interested in doing a, a PhD. And I suppose the reason I kind of came to that was that um, I was quite interested in developing my um, at my uh, studies, but to be able to do that in a research environment, working with animals, um, and at the same time, you know, getting up to that PhD uh, qualification um, was very attractive to me. So I, I applied for a number of PhD, PhD positions, and I was very fortunate to be um, successful in securing one. So that was kind of the next step for me. So how did you find it? The position I um, took up was under the supervision of, of Karina Pierce, and it was focused around dairy production. And I was based out at UCD Lions Farm, and that's this was a unique 250 hectare teaching and research farm that um, is, is a great asset to, to the to the school to be able to facilitate both agricultural science and vet students on, on their course. And within on the farm, there's everything from dairy to equine to crops. And that's where most of the postgraduate students are. So I went out there and I, I joined them and I spent about three, three and a half years um, out there doing, doing my research. And that was kind of focused around different nutritional strategies for dairy cows. So how do what we feed them impact the quality of their milk and how it's processed, basically? And I suppose from, from when that started, you kind of go through a number of different phases throughout that PhD, but like on a day-to-day -day basis, you're kind of managing the animals, you're managing the grass, you're taking grass samples and feed samples, you're going into the lab, then you're looking at this feed, you're looking at the milk in more detail, and ultimately you're bringing that together then into a published paper or, or your thesis. So that's kind of kind of where, where you kind of get started with, and then you take some modules to complement that, it might be in statistics or something. But I think for me, some of the kind of additional benefits of, of doing the PhD and additional opportunities that came up were the opportunity to travel. So I went to three different international conferences, two of them in the US and one in Estonia. And that was a great experience to meet other, other researchers, see what other research is going on and to be exposed to that I think was really good. So the second part, I was fortunate um, to have, I suppose, the opportunity to gain some lecturing and teaching experience through it. 
and also being involved in the, the, the research side of things, there was collaborations there with industry, which helped us to build my network and get to know people that were, were working in the industry. And I suppose then finally, another part of my PhD that I really enjoyed, so I was actually a relief milker in lines at the same time. So it was nice to kind of get out in the mornings, milk the cows and get you set up for the day before a busy day of writing. So it was a nice mix of, um, mix of an environment, mix of experience and opportunities. But I think overall my experience is very positive. It afforded me many opportunities that have supported my career to date. And I think I advise nearly anyone that's listening to this, that if they're starting out on their career to take those opportunities when they come, and particularly the ones that might be a little bit daunting, as that's the ones that are going to stretch and, and grow you and develop you through your career. But um, yeah, overall, my experience is very positive. And I guess the Lions Estate, I mean, you get to know other PhDs, I'd imagine, yeah. very well. There's a bit of camaraderie, I'm sure. It's not like you're stuck in a lab on your own all the time. No, not with when it was a research an animal research focused PhD. Like I was out farming most of the time. I was out with the cows, managing the grass. I was, you know, it was very hands-on, very practical. And then a little bit later on, you kind of get pulled into the lab then to do some of your lab work. But that's all great experience and experience that will go on for you. If you end up working in the feed industry, you'll know exactly how you analyze the feed. You know, it all it all develops those skills and knowledge that you can carry on with you. So from there, how did you end up where you are now, which is back in UCD as a staff member? So I suppose when I finished up my PhD, I um, was trying to think, I suppose, again, you know, what, what was next? And I did really want to get out into industry and get that hands on kind of more of that um, industry experience. So with my previous work focusing around dairy nutrition, I secured a position as a ruminant technical specialist with a company called Filio UK and Ireland. And they basically specialize in feed additives, particularly around yeast. And that was a great experience. I worked with them for a year, year and a half. And I had a great opportunity there to experience and understand what's happening at farm level across dairy, beef and sheep. But particularly, I got to spend a lot of my time in Northern Ireland and in the UK and to experience the kind of systems that they had over there, which was a great opportunity. And I suppose also with my, my research background, I was involved in carrying out some field research, which I really enjoyed as well. Through my PhD, like I suppose many PhD students, you do obviously think about the possibility of a career in academia. You know, you've went to that level in terms of your degree. But I thought for myself personally that it might be a little bit out of my reach and I wasn't sure if an opportunity within that area would come up because they don't come up very often. You'd be very fortunate to, 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 to secure one. So when that position, this position that I'm currently in became available, um, I knew I at least had to apply, Sean. I didn't want to wonder, I suppose, what if? And, and, um, and then I suppose the, the reason it's kind of appealed to me was that able to combine, I suppose, that it, I, I quite like teaching and educating people about a, passion, a subject that I'm very passionate about. But also, I suppose, when I was reflecting on it, I really kind of missed the research side um, more than I thought I would, I suppose, when I left initially. So I suppose the, the biggest, I suppose, thought factor around coming back to academia was it all happened last year in 2020. And given that we had a global pandemic and there was so much uncertainty and everything going on, but I suppose I followed my gut instinct. I was very fortunate to be offered the position that would allow me to combine these two passions for teaching and research. And I, I joined the, the academic staff last, last August and... Here we are today. And so now you're you're a staff member, you know, uh, what advice would you give to your 18 year old self if you're starting now at UCD? I suppose yeah, hindsight's great, but I suppose turn your passion into a career. I don't think it, it makes it a lot easier, you know, it makes it much more enjoyable to do what you actually love to do for, for your job. I think you need to be confident in following your, your, gut, your gut instinct. Um, take opportunities whenever they come up no matter I suppose how daunting they seem at first because they're the ones that will really I suppose maybe stand to you going forward 
Um, as I said, have a, have a good mentor. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And I think some of the last one is just, just to go for it. You don't really know, um, you don't want to ask the question later on, what if, you know, what could my career have been if I had said yes to this instead of no? And that's that's the biggest one because some of the opportunities that come along, particularly when you're quite young in your career, it's it's very daunting. It's very, um, it's very new. But nine times out of 10, it's going to turn into probably a positive experience or you learn something from it at some stage. And do you think Irish agriculture has become more equal opportunity to men and women uh, than it was, say, 20, 30 years ago? I mean, is, are there still issues there or do you think it's pretty much a level playing field now? I think it's come a long way in the last number of years um, and like there's a lot of uh, programs and, and things that supports in place to make to make it more fair and equal. From my personal experience, I have found that it has been. Um, I think probably still is a little bit to go in terms of it, but I think we're very much kind of on the way there and it, it has grown so much in recent years. That was Dr. Zoe McKay. Well, let's go over now to Judy Dowsett. And today we're going to discuss some courses and options for those who may be looking to make changes to their career paths. Well, I thought today it might be quite useful to talk about um, some of the courses that are available um, for people as postgraduates, because now's the time of the year when people start thinking about signing up for a course in September. And my feeling is that this year, maybe more than any other, um, quite a lot of people have probably spent quite a lot of time thinking about um, their job and how much time they're actually spending doing their job. I mean, if you think about it, you're doing seven or eight hours a day, 37 hours a week for 40 years. It's a lot of time, isn't it, Sean? And if you're not happy in your job, that's really going to impact on your overall life. So maybe some people think about retraining. So, so Judy, uh, what kind of taught programmes are available? Well, there's a selection of options that you can choose from, from the environment and biodiversity, wildlife conservation, rural development and agricultural innovation and horticulture to business strategy, food, nutrition, health and even humanitarian action. OK, what kind of people might uh, sign up for those, do you think, or might, might appeal to? Well, there are master's levels. So generally speaking, um, uh, what we see is that there's two groups of people. One group of people seem to like want to um, upskill within the role they're in. So they want to get more specialism within the role they're in to be able to progress through, through um, the company or the organisation. But the other group of people are people who are really starting to think about something new, something that they'd like to, you know, there's an MSc in food, nutrition and health. And for example, there are people that would do that. It's entirely delivered online and part-time so it means that people can really fit it into working as well or do it in just themselves um, and it means that they can um, then consider careers that might need somebody to do new product development within a food company or um, food uh, safety or you know a number of, of aspects they might end up specializing in. So if people are interested and they want to find out more where do they go? Well, I think I'd encourage you to go to the um, UCD website and go to the um, page, which is the School of Agriculture and Food Science, and they have a YouTube channel. And actually, they've made a little video of all of these offerings, and that shows you how you can get more information as well. So the other thing I'd say to you is watch this space, because we've got a couple of um, exciting initiatives in the pipeline. We can talk about those at a future date, hopefully. Right. So uh, lots, lots of options there. Thanks very much, Julie. Finally today, let's hear from Dr. Monica Gorman. I caught up with her in Dublin's Palmerston Park recently near her home, and I began by asking her 
when she first thought about agriculture as a career. Yes, I grew up on a small dairy farm in West Wicklow and I I think, you know, I had a kind of moment of light bulb moment as a teenager that I wanted to always do something relating to farming. From the time I was uh, 10 or 11, I was always outside helping with the milking and uh, very involved. Okay, so maybe tell me about your, the early part of your career then uh, after you left school and the kind of things you did. And I think you, you ended up overseas for a while. I did. Uh, when I was in secondary school, uh, a teacher who had left my school and gone overseas um, with concern came back and uh, gave a talk and one of the things which she talked about was the importance of agricultural development and I thought oh great that means I could actually do that and fit it with studying agriculture but I remember at the time thinking I better not tell too many people because they'll try to persuade me not to do it. <laughs> so when I finished my degree there was an opportunity to do a master's in rural development which fitted very nicely uh, with it so when I was doing my master's I approached Concern and I said you know was there any place I could go to do my thesis and I'd volunteer for two years if if uh, if they were interested and um, you know that was the start of a very happy relationship and they said would I like to go to Sudan because there was a new agricultural development program starting up and they wanted to do a baseline survey for it so you know it was a happenstance I suppose or you know um, serendipity uh, I walked in and I said can I and they said yes wonderful so uh, how, how long did you spend abroad in in Sudan and were you in other places too yeah I spent two years in Sudan and you know really enjoyed it and then I got an opportunity to go to uh, Tanzania to work on a broader rural development program and um, looking at co-ops and participatory development which farmers groups and a lot of them were women uh, farm women's groups um, so you know I went and I worked at that for about three and a half years and following on from that you know one thing leads to another and I suppose one of the things about youth is you see a chance you go for it you don't tend to second guess yourself but after the that first rural development project in Tanzania I got an opportunity to work as a community development advisor on a coastal uh, conservation program with the international um, IUCN which is the World Conservation Union uh, so really I often think that a lot of being in the right place at the right time and saying yes to opportunities brought me to lots of interesting places. And so what drew you into the development work initially? You kind of suggested earlier that maybe you might have felt a bit of resistance from, I don't know, friends or family perhaps? Um, well I suppose, actually my family were very supportive but I do remember uh, a neighbour's mother sort of almost saying like how, how could you do this to your parents, you know, go off. <laughs> <laughs> go away go abroad um but my you know my parents were actually very supportive but i think it can be easy you know people can question you and you have to justify yourself what you're doing why you're doing it um but i you know i suppose there's a spirit of adventure that i would have i was interested and curious about the world i also you know with the idealism of youth you kind of want your career to matter you want your you know you want to be working on stuff that's important even though you know the more you know the more you know how little you know and you know how difficult it is to really effect change um, and you learn an awful lot more I think than but certainly as a young person 
from a relatively sheltered background, I can always say I hope I didn't do any harm, but I learned a lot. <laughs> right. So it sounds it was, must have been fascinating traveling and meeting different cultures and people and everything. So what, what drew you back to the academic world? Um, what drew me back? Or to UCD, I should say, really, I suppose. Yes. I, and I suppose, you know, one of the things of, in talking about careers is I do think it's good to you know, stop every few years and look around and sort of say, am I where I want to be? Am I just, you know, doing more of the same or do I want to do something different? And I wanted to come back to Ireland, partly, you know, family getting older and you miss out a lot on, on family events. Um, and But I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And I was back, I was working in a training organisation and I really found that I actually loved being in an educator role. I loved, and it was more skills training, uh, but the opportunity came up to do a PhD. And that PhD was on looking at rural development policy, multifunctional agriculture, um, and uh, it was a cross-European project. And it linked in with something that I'd felt passionately about, I think, since I was a teenager, which was to do with family farming, how do people create their livelihoods, issues of sustainability. Um, so and I'd, I'd often toyed with the idea of a PhD. Now, I know it's a bit like writing a book. <laughs> why? Lots of people talk about it. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I took the opportunity and I loved it. And while I was doing my PhD, I also, you know, got more involved in teaching and in, uh, and I had an opportunity to take a teaching role for two years when I was doing that. And I really enjoyed it. Um, it's different. It makes you think in different ways. And I do love working with young people. Um, now, I went off again. You know, jobs in academia aren't the easiest to come by. And when I graduated, I think I, I, I didn't feel like... Like I was in my 40s at this stage and I didn't think I was going to hang around to wait for a job to come up. Um, so I went to work in international development again, but based in Ireland. And then I, you know, <laughs> I'm then not, something I'm, came up at that point. It sounds like I'm flighty, but I'm not that flighty. I'd usually stay about five years in a job before I'd move on. But um, uh, I did go back overseas again. But. But the call, I wanted to get back into academia. I really love the freedom to think. Yeah. I think that I, it's a fantastic, it's a really privileged position to be in a job where you can think, challenge thinking, um, you know, research areas that you're interested in and the opportunity to work with young people in, in their education. Right. Now, you're in an area called extension and innovation. So agricultural extension, uh, what is that and what's your role in that? Agricultural extension is a fancy name for advisory and education services. So it's very much about, you know, how do you work with farmers? Um, you know, with a huge amount of investment goes into agricultural research. A lot of it doesn't end up in practice. Um, there's a lot of problems that farm families are facing and how do they use knowledge and how do the people with not with certain types of expert knowledge you know work with them to, to help them make good decisions so I suppose primarily the focus is on uh, equipping people with the skills to work in advisory and education services but I would argue that an, an awful lot of professional roles in the agricultural sector are essentially communications roles so you know, they need to think about how do you, you know, understanding behaviour, 
understanding decision making, you know, understanding how knowledge and attitudes and practices change and you know, working effectively in that space. So I, and I suppose maybe that's coming from my overseas development background, which is very much about how do you influence change in human beings and how do you that, that kind of participatory type of approach. Yeah, you like you like to be close to the human beings in agriculture, I think, don't you? Yes, and I suppose, you know, traditionally to do an ag science degree, you focus most of your uh, studies on animals and crops and soil and, uh, you know, more lately maybe economics as well, but relatively small amount thinking about the, the human factor in it and the human factor is the one that makes so many of the decisions um now just you had so much experience overseas uh does does much of that kind of inform what you do now are you thinking back oh yeah i remember doing such and such in sudan or tanzania fundamentals absolutely um and i suppose in going to work in africa it was my first real exposure to participatory bottom-up development which is something that i think We've learned a lot in Ireland from, you know, people who've worked in overseas development have brought a lot of those ideas back into community development and into, more lately, into agricultural development as well. Um, so that's, you know, you've got to have the end users involved. If you're working with farmers, you involve them from the beginning in identifying what the problems are. Um, but there's lots of other interesting things, particularly, I suppose, the whole area of environmental management and, you know, the recognition that the natural resource base is limited and we can't exploit it without consequence you know we have to think about sustainable management um, and I'd say the other big thing that I really uh, I, I think I had it before I went but it really emphasised is the importance of women being at the centre of any kind of development When you started out and how have things changed up to now? Yeah, well, When I was doing my degree in the mid 80s you know, there was a relatively, I think there were probably about maybe 13, 14 uh, young women in the class of probably about uh, maybe 100 or so. Um, possibly there are more women studying agricultural science, but if we look at land ownership and farm ownership in Ireland, nothing has changed. And um, all of that's how many years now? That's 35 years old. Yeah, yeah. I went to agricultural college when I left secondary school, before I came to UCD. And there were five girls in a class of 60. The proportions haven't changed. So uh, I'll ask you two questions then. Why do you think they haven't changed and what can we do about it? Um, I'd love if there was a simple answer to that. I don't think there is. Um, I think when it comes to land ownership there are and succession and inheritance there's a lot it's not a simple reason of, of you know the, the boy will be the natural uh, heir it's also that you know girls are socialized from an early age to think you know the difference between the inside work and the outside work you know when I was a kid growing up I because I worked outside in the farm did not exclude me from dishwashing and clothes washing and ironing but it did exclude my brother interestingly oh so you were double jobbing he wasn't (laughs) (laughs) yes but i think it's you know the encouragement um i mean there's a lot of women studying agricultural science and a lot of them are not won't inherit the family farm it's a social issue but i think it's one we should talk about a little bit more you know because it's we don't talk about it enough and i think there are ireland has probably got the lowest level of one of the lowest levels of female farm ownership across the eu 
we need all the talent that we have. We have a lot of challenges, whether it's around environment, whether it's around sustainable livelihoods, whether it's around you know, making the most of opportunities in, in food that are there. And if we're not attracting the best of talent into the primary production, we're missing a trick. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you very much, uh, Monica. And I uh, hope you've settled in now after all your travels around the world. <laughs> it's great talking to you. That's all for this, our third episode of Agri-Food Matters. If you'd like to get in touch with us or to make suggestions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email me, Sean Duke, presenter of Agri-Food Matters, at seancduke at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate it or review it on the iTunes podcast platform or any of the other podcast listening platforms on which it's available, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts and Radio Public. Until next time then, I wish you and your family good health from all of us here at Agri-Food Matters.